Hello and welcome to Kinnerin's Sound of Play 258.
Every Wednesday in Sound of Play, we bring you some of our and your favorite pieces from the mini video game soundtracks we've enjoyed over the decades. And joining me, Ryan Heyman, in Sound of Play 258 is Ro Panoganti of Gamelark. Thanks for having me, Ryan. So you are here essentially kind of like walking us through a new uh, Gamelark production, new album called Fuzzy Pickles. And mm-hmm. in uh, kind of an interesting move, we're just going to be kind of listening to the entire album and kind of mm-hmm. going track by track and um, hearing this compilation. It's a uh, a multi-artist collaboration of covers of um, uh, from the Mother series. So not just Earthbound mm-hmm. or not just the Mother 3, which is another kind of fan favorite, but um, Mother 1 as well, or Earthbound, what is it? Origins? Beginnings. Beginnings? <laughs> yeah, Beginnings. when they re-released <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> Which just kind of makes it more confusing. I feel like people, people oh, yeah. in the West are familiar with the mother name now, but uh, I'm sure that <laughs> Nintendo, well, I was going to say, I'm sure Nintendo knows what they're doing, but uh, <laughs> well, we're know. still I waiting on, way on that sentiment, depending on the time of day. <laughs> it really does feel that way. <laughs> Why don't you kind of introduce, like, first of all, what is Game Lark? And second of all, like, how does this uh, project come together? Sure. So, um, as I imagine yourself and many listeners are familiar, video game music is incredibly catchy and special in the same way a lot of people got fond of movie soundtracks growing up. So, so many communities have populated to collaborate over the internet or sometimes even in person and create sort of uh, community albums, as we kind of call them. And they will take people who come from completely different musical walks of life uh, and, you know, find the commonality that brings us together. Usually um, a group such as Gamelark, which was founded, uh, was made just to make sure that really interested, passionate artists had a way of working together on albums based on one game or one game series. Um, It was founded by my buddy Alan Brash, actually, and I took up the reins um, about two albums ago. (laughs) So we've been uh, working for, I think, almost five years, over six albums, together and we've done everything from Sonic the Hedgehog, we've done Kingdom Hearts, we've done Final Fantasy, games from the Rare um, company, you know, like Banjo-Kazooie, Conker's Bad Fur Days mm-hmm. and such. And uh, what we like to do is honestly just poll our, our, our musicians. We ask, what series is resonating with you? What do you think will, ad- will adapt well to a group of very different artists uh, coming together and trying to put together one product. And uh, the Mother series was one that came out because it's such a cult hit. Um, it, it never got that huge break. And uh, people started discovering it once they found that the you know titular character Ness was in Super Smash Bros., which was obviously a much more mass appeal broad hit. So we came together... Um, Earlier this year, actually, as you can imagine, it's been very difficult to make albums right now, yet we right. that's what we do. So uh, we came together in our group and kind of discussed, um, okay, if we make this album, uh, what tracks are we allowed to do? Um, one thing that I'm also very involved in is uh, learning how music licensing works. You, um, In order to sell a video game uh, album that you've done remixes or arrangements for, there is um, some copyright knowledge that really helps. Um, you have to find soundtracks that have been released in the United States. 
Um, and as you can imagine, Nintendo doesn't do this very often. So we're very, <laughs> we're digging through these 1990s CDs um, online and, you know, oh, which song does this one have? Oh, it only has, you know, Tucson or, oh no, is this my favorite album <laughs> song? It's not on the CD. And we go through so much logistics and ultimately we got the, you know, amount of people you see before you on Fuzzy Pickles engaged. They all hop to do what they do best. And a lot of them are collaborations, um, small guest roles or features. And lo and behold, we we got to recently releasing it. And um, it, was, it was a fantastic kind of experience there. I've, uh, I'm, I'm interested in that, um, that copyright aspect of mm-hmm. not to hone in on the sure. most legal nitty gritty portion of the entire introduction. But uh, mm-hmm. uh, so you say that that you can only sell remixes of um of tracks as they have been previously released in the united states correct so um it's it's basically called mechanical compulsory licensing um Mm -hmm. where we we basically are allowed as you know people (laughs) to uh cover and sell any song that has been you know written as long as it's you know not dramatically changing it we didn't add like too many crazy like translations or lyrics we don't manipulate the song completely uh and we're allowed to do that by law but we have to make sure that it is a recognized song so when nintendo releases um if you're familiar like the zelda breath of the wild game uh came out with like a small cd for the right so that's an example of a song like an album that we can cover just because of the nature of um you know, copyright law and uh, Nintendo is specifically. But when it comes to other games um, that have been released, usually there is much more, um, much more like uh, CDs are made of those things. You know, it would not be very difficult to do something from the Elder Scrolls series or even the Final yeah. Fantasy series because of how thorough they've been in um, releasing it. So to <laughs> video game music fans, the, the simplicity is if you see a, a real CD, official CD come out of a game, you know that it's fair game. And uh, a lot of people get very excited by that. And to do Earthbound and Mother Games was like, I ha- <laughs> we had so many questions coming in. Like, how did you how did you do this? Like, I didn't know it was licensable or because <laughs> it truly is the the underdog of um, of Nintendo's collection of characters and um it makes it all the more like exciting and serendipitous that we could even do this in such a way. Would it count if Nintendo released a CD featuring a remix of the original track, like a Smash Bros. Uh, compilation? Yes, um, in the sense that like the composition would be um, okay. what we use, like the actual melodies and things, not necessarily like if it's the newer old. So Super Smash Bros. Um, did have a, a release for the 3DS smash i think super smash that's right i think 4. there was a pre-order bonus or a my nintendo thing back when that was still around i think it was um either my nintendo or club, club nintendo. nintendo that was it <laughs> sorry i get all these terms mixed up right right and uh again that was like one of those cases where video game music was treated you know in my opinion like rightly and um it opens up a lot of doors not just to you know us who want to cover the music and make our albums but just like for fans who want to be able to listen to it and experience it and uh, recontextualize their favorite songs. Um, so it, it's a phenomenal process being a cover artist or a game music arranger or what have you. And like knowing all of this, 
Very interesting. So let's, um, I, I want to learn more about the game art group and the whole process of composing this, but let's talk a little bit about the music that we played on the way in here. This sure. was a piece called Being Friends, composed by Noteblock. Um, is there uh, any kind of story behind, you know, I'm just going to kind of sure. open the door to all of these, uh, all of these tracks as they come in. Cause I know that you're a lot closer to the process of their creation. So just anything mm -hmm. that, uh, that gives us some additional context into these pieces as they come along. Sure. Um, one of the best things about being, um, <laughs> we don't have a formal title, but you know, being in charge of the album and, uh, co-directing this with my buddy, Peter, um, sound old Smith, who's also on this album. Um, we, we don't really choose who gets to be on within game lark. It's a group of 50 people and, um, people kind of join in and we're so, so lucky to have the people who did join in, uh, contribute the way they do. Um, Noteblock, I think Noteblock has been a part of game lark since day one. And, uh, he puts together these really, really cool, um, I don't even know the terminology, but it's an electronic kind of song with uh, hints of, you know, house and dance and uh, the arrangements are always above and beyond. So the way I heard Be and Friends um, arranged, it reminded me of um, Van Halen's 1984, uh, which is it's an album, but the track mm -hmm. leads into the more famous song Jump. So mm -hmm. it's a very slow synthesizers that are just like breathing in life and evolving. And it reminded me of the way every single mother game um, opens up like the title sequences. And, you know, there was something really, really welcoming when uh, you click an album and the first song is very like gentle in its uh, rise. So that's one of the things that I, I think I praised uh, Noteblocks being friends the most for um you know just the fact that it starts where you don't expect it to and then of course halfway through we get the that shuffling like ba -da 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 -da. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's really really fresh on the ears and given that every melee player on the planet <laughs> must know the song quite well mm -hmm. it's it's really exciting to hear such a fresh take by just rearranging the rhythm and keeping everything else about that song that made it so upbeat and friendly and it, this is from um mother it's it's from mother one um though it's it's such a popular song um within the franchise now so it's it's really cool to hear you know we we advertise this as an earthbound album to um you know to help people understand like where the standout is but we're using the game that most people i think have not played yet um myself kind of included so it's very interesting. Yeah, this uh, the opening to the track is is very mesmerizing, and it, uh, it's surprising when it does kick into the melody, which feels, by comparison, like so frivolous, but in like a really fun way. <laughs> right, it's, right. Uh, a good transition to make. <laughs> I, I would think so. Yeah, let's go ahead and cue up the next piece of music. So this next one is called Tucson, and it is by Subversive Asset. Uh, what can you tell us about this composition? Oh, and uh, Gator Tots. <laughs> So um, this is Tucson. It's the second level. Clever, right? So this town is my personal favorite. It's my favorite song from Earthbound. So in the game, when you come to the city, this is probably the first time you're in a 
city in a even formal sense and for the super nintendo the way they depict the they depict like a small town there's buildings there's tons of non-playable characters to chat with they're all telling jokes you have funny characters like orange kid and apple kid who are inventors and when you go in there's like a open marketplace of sorts like people selling things there's so much happening in such a retro game that it, it, it stuns me. This track was actually kind of co, uh, co-worked by uh, a new game like member, Gator Tots, with our uh, veteran subversive asset in there as well, um, performing saxophone. So this is definitely uh, utilizing both of their performance, um, their skills with the saxophone in a classical sense. Um, and while I can't speak to <laughs> the mechanics of saxophone being primarily a rock and, you know, like guitarist, um, I think there's something very unique about the way Subversive uh, and uh, also Gator Toss, the way they perform is very different than where you hear saxophone in jazz context. It has like a certain direction and um, nuance that I think is extremely unique, um, both in the VGM scene and in general. But it just gives you happy feelings. <laughs> you know, you're walking through one of the most charming towns in the game. And um, this is probably one of the short, sweet ones on our album. But, um, you know, I adore it. This is a very nice track. It's the kind of lead uh, saxophone uh, plays such like a comfortable uh, strolling tune, um, kind of backed up by a like a certain type of plucked string that I'm only really used to hearing in I don't know, I associate that particular sound with like 1950s commercial or something like that. Uh, I don't know what it is about it, but is this this kind of like really bubbly plucked string that uh, yes. unused to hearing in this context is a really fresh sound um, that paired together with the saxophone and I, uh, I, I really enjoy it. Um, I was going to ask how much kind of throughout the album is being played uh, with live instruments and how much are Ooh. being um, like midis and, and stuff like that because nowadays it's really hard to tell a lot of the time mm-hmm. which is i think a blessing in disguise sometimes yeah. so to start i will say i've got to go down the list but subversive track i mean the tucson track i think is most all uh performed mm-hmm. and uh let's see down the list i think pollyanna there's a lot of like symphonic instruments uh going on so that one's probably mostly uh, VST, of course, Noteblock's track is electronic, so it's very much not uh, acoustically performed. Uh, on my track, I am using a lot of synthesizers, and I've always used drum samples. There's just a handful of drummers that I've worked with in the you know video game scene who have you know high enough record- recording quality and you know the performance and the interest to where like it makes sense to go with a live drummer instead of programming it myself. But otherwise, I'm playing, you know, guitar, bass, tons and tons of guitar layers <laughs> to uh, get that full sound. So and mm-hmm. I believe Soundroll is also using uh, sampled drums. Um, what's interesting about our album in to me, of course, is I am I'm such an outlier in that all these songs are mostly gentler. There's uh, not a lot of, you know, distorted guitars or, you know, very big, aggressive instrumentation. Um, but it is very curious to see how much we got away with um, VST or how much that, you know, uh, synthesized sample sound actually sounds good, (laughs) you know? Yeah, uh, for sure. Either because it sounds realistic enough or because it sounds synthetic, but the way it's mixed or um, the way it's being used um, is really nice. But 
we have some really great acoustic instrument players on this particular album too. I think anyone who has an ear for video game music isn't going to mind uh, some synthetic instruments. You know, it's created kind of a sound mm-hmm. of its own over the years and video game music started as, you know, very uh, kind of scratchy and harsh chiptune uh, type of sounds on mm-hmm. the uh, 8-bit and and earlier even uh, systems. And so, you know, we've kind of come to love synthetic instruments as well. So, uh, yeah, but it's it's always a, a treat to hear somebody really kind of, you know, record something live and, and bring that kind of that other dimension to it since... Right. These are primarily, um, what was the, the first game was on NES. I know this yes. Earthbound was on Super Nintendo and NES, then, uh, and Game, Boy, was on Advance. Game Boy Advance. Right. Um, that's a good point. And I think, uh, when it comes to like listener reception, um, I've been doing VGM, you know, like video game covers for nine years now. And, um, I don't think anyone's really been called into question for the quality of samples so much as mm. the um, manipulation, how how you use it in such a way that people are okay. And in modern music, we are, you know, just surrounded by samples um, in almost every genre. I think there has been fantastically well-received and well-loved music that uh, depended on samples. Um, obviously, like metal music has been using sampled drums a lot and synthesizers, uh, both analog and digital uh, pop is using a lot of <laughs> virtual instruments as well. You know, it's, it's just commonplace and um, cost effective, frankly. Um, yeah, for sure. So it's hard to record some of these things, um, which is, again, why I applaud Tucson, you know, Gentle Rain, Mother Earth, like all of these tracks being so microphoned <laughs> and not sampled. It's It's really like a blessing to hear any of it that way i don't think there's a bad sample it's just yeah it's it's another instrument it's how you use it there's not a bad uh synthesized instrument inherently it's just uh everything has its its place so let's uh i guess on that let's listen to tucson by subversive asset from earthbound back in with a, another track here. Before we get to that, I want to learn a little bit more about the Gamelark group. So you mentioned that uh, you've been doing this for a number of years. You have a lot of, of albums out there covering uh, one game in particular or one series in particular in this case. Mm-hmm. So this this group, how did um, how did it begin to populate? You know, How do you go from having an idea of like, oh, I want to start something like this to 
actually kind of attracting the people that have the you know the right talents and and something new to bring the team yeah um game lark is such an interesting story um it started of course uh, not with myself but with my buddy alan brash who is currently now uh leading a a sort of different kind of group uh, i would call it like a community um since it's a mix of journalism and music but um he started with the idea him being a former musician but also a writer and loving to manage and just loving game music so, so much. Um, he wanted to start doing interviews and pasting it into like a YouTube channel. And for whatever reason, he gravitated towards the name Gamelark, um, you know, with like a little bird as um, sort of our our mascot. And we were doing little interviews uh, about like our different experiences, making remixes. And um, there was a general group of people, um, you know, of all sorts of different, um, you know, ages and backgrounds and preferences for games. Um, so it was really cool for us. We were, you know, who gets interviewed with 100 subscribers or something like that. So um, I became fast friends with Alan and we, we started talking about all these different ways that, you know, the community could grow from just being a bunch of separated channels um, and at that time, I actually run a different group called Multiplayer Charity. Um, we're part of the larger group, uh, Material Collective, and we were doing community albums as well. And Alan wanted to start directing some of these to see if we could assemble a very passionate group of people who might like to collaborate or, you know, really dedicate their time to, um, you know, single game or single series um, albums. So from there, uh, you know, Alan directed quite a few of these albums. Uh, we had like Supersonic based on the whole Sonic franchise, Rarities for Rare Games. We had Game Art Gifts, which was like a Christmas, winter, holiday sort of theme. We had At the End of Time, uh, which was Chrono Trigger based. Um, and these all came out from like 2015 through, uh, you know, right now. We had like a volume one, which was just our our feet dipping in the water. Uh, we did Versus, which was fighting games. And, <laughs> you know, like as a friendly sort of deal, we did that half with Gamelark, half with Materia Collective members. Um, so it was it was like a little friendly competition. Oh, theme. interesting. Right, right. And um, once we actually joined with Materia for them to help publish and, um, you know, organize our albums better, uh, that's around the time I took over. So last year we did Hearts of Lark. Or sorry, <laughs> that's my... That's my um, <laughs> pet name for it we mm -hmm. did hearts of light <laughs> but i've been calling it hearts of lark <laughs> i like that that was kingdom hearts and it, it took a punch out of me um so much work for such a monumental series with so much music so we we did have like a little bit of a i don't want to say a hiatus but we we really got our members to just relax focus on themselves and finally i was like this is a group of talented people and um Right now, more than ever, working together would give so much like wonderment and meaning and excitement to all of us. So that's where Fuzzy Pickles kind of comes into the picture. And we're 50 people strong. Um, we have like a small group of managers who, without which I can't direct anything. And for this album, I straight up said, this will not happen with just me alone. Someone help. <laughs> and yeah. um, Soundol, who's a phenomenal musician and uh, one of the one of the coolest channels you could see. He plays um, 
you know, everything from clarinet, um, which he can do all sorts of forms, classical, bluesy, even a little bit of jazz. And he plays piano and electric piano arrangements. And um, he also does like really cool narrations for um, like game reviews using his music. And he'll play the electric wind instrument, um, which is like a popular synthesizer played like a clarinet or saxophone-ish uh, deal. So, you know, him being a fan of this kind of music and this series, we decided let's split up all the crazy emails and all of the logistics and both of us will be able to survive this. And, um, you know, from there, Materia Collective helped join in. We got incredible artwork from um, Isabella Alcantara and, uh, you know, she just captures like the absolute best essence of um the game you can see like the topographical view the four main cities from earthbound and you know i i hope in the future game mark just gets to keep chugging with our favorite games maybe do like some genre specific um works might be really cool too um you know future is so broad so you mentioned earlier that um that for this project you weren't choosing who was going to be on the album it was kind of whoever wanted to contribute something yes um that's pretty much how our mo is um you know we'll say all right the group's doing whatever album you vote for that we can license um so the managers do kind of play a role but we really don't want to make people you know like this was <laughs> this was a surprise to me but i'm sure like you and i we have our favorite games but if i went to the group and said all right we're starting an age of empires 2 album like it or not <laughs> that's not going to play well and um you don't get the best performances out of everyone right. also you know you can't just be like all right we're doing a super mario sunshine tribute album and then you know all of the <laughs> the other managers go uh can we actually do this one so we'll have to find a different IP that has, you know, the licensing or or um, has more of a you know, public attention too, because we don't want to pick a game that no one would want to listen to either. Um, that's a small factor. So have you ever had a situation where, you know, a mix that submitted isn't uh, doesn't kind of like fit the tone of the album you're trying to build or is like it kind of sequence wise isn't able to fit in with the kind of narrative of the the larger piece being constructed like do you ever have anything that just like isn't quite finding its place in the album that's a really good point um because this is something i think about every single time i'm working on either a collaboration or a collaborative album like these the the to start the very novelty of a community is that there are very actively different working different sounding and different arranging musicians. Um, so to have them all be contributing to one game series, the only commonality we really have is that, you know, these songs are kind of written the same way because they're composed by the same people, right? Mm -hmm. So um, I, I always find that to be a challenge when it comes to the album flow and representation. Like I mentioned earlier, I am the only person who did a rock album. I was hoping more of our uh, guitarist people in Gamelark would be there, but we actually had such a balance shift in the last few albums. Um, many of our musicians who do the rock and metal um, style of video game covers have I uh, kind of like gone on to work on their own albums and, um, 
So we've lost a lot of our firepower when it comes to that particular <laughs> genre. And I mean, that's my own bias because, you know, it, it's my favorite style. I love it, but it doesn't necessarily diminish the quality of the album to me. But what does stick out is um, the album flow will definitely need to play into um, having that diverse sound. And I think I've gotten used to it. A lot of re- like game music fans have gotten used to hearing a different genre every song Mm -hmm. some people don't like it and i personally think i have reasons to like and to dislike when that happens um there's you know it's just one of those things we wrestle with um but i will say game lark does have and i want to phrase this loosely i guess quality control team assistance so um Usually we're not worried uh, because the musicians were chosen to join GameLark based on, okay. you know, how how they've been in other community albums, um, trying to make sure we balance out um, the kinds of music that we have. You know, if we have like 10 electronic artists and, you know, one metal guitarist <laughs> or something, we'll want to change that. Or, you know, we want to make sure that we're demographically being uh, sound, we're representing the entire community, and we're making things that are just going to sound fantastic um, and eclectic and fresh. So to, in, that, in, that, in that sense, we really do want to just make sure, like, everyone's working hard. We try to encourage collaborating because the accountability of another person is so fantastic. Um, you know, my song was <laughs> kind of made last second-ish, um, so I can't speak to that on this one, but um, it's great to have someone say like, hey, this is like a really you know rough mix. What if we tried doing it this way? Or, hey, um, I, I noticed you're using string, you know, sampled strings. What if I just performed the real instrument for you kind of thing? Yeah, okay. Community, you know? So um, I think I think those are the situations that we end up having in GameLark more because um, we've already fully embraced that we're going to be we're going to get weird with it. We're going to be eclectic throughout the whole thing. The only remedy is just encourage collaboration so that every song has this like hybrid sort of feel to it. And I think Fuzzy Pickles does that better than most of our GameLark albums. Let's uh, let's listen to this next piece of music. This is called Gentle Rain by Stephen Morris. What can you tell us about this one? Um, Stephen Morris is fantastic. <laughs> he has a very like, I think, uh, hopefully I'm not speaking out of you know, turn with Stephen, but he has like a lot of 1970s influences and it brilliantly shines in uh, his guitar playing, a lot of synthesizers, and he, he runs a lot of analog synths, which... Um, if you're, if you're not familiar with synths, um, and keyboards, it it definitely involves much more controls and, and knobs and wires to create these unique sounds that in, you know, the digital world, you might be able to click one button and get, but it does have a completely different quality and, um, it's funky. (laughs) It's a really funky, fun song, um, from mother three and um, if I'm not mistaken, I think Steven also may have had a collaborator on this, but nonetheless, it's, it's a really fun song. You know, Steven just brings it on multitudes of instruments in this one, um, which is awesome. All right, this is Gentle Rain.
Okay, let's get back into the mix. Um, this next piece of music is called Mother Earth by the Gamba Geek. Uh, is, what is the, uh, the history around this track? So this is a special, special track. It's the um, probably first song any person would have heard if they started the Mother franchise and Earthbound Beginnings for the first time. It's incredibly somber and soft with like a glint of hope. And what's really special, of course, is um, the Gamba Geek. She plays this on uh, a sort of unique instrument that, <laughs> you know, if you look up what a Gamba or a Viola de Gamba looks like, y- you will call it all sorts of names. The big cello, the giant violin. Uh, I okay. imagine she's heard them all. But essentially, it's, you know, a more richer viola that can be played a ton of different ways. And she specializes in it quite well. So, you know, Mother Earth is just like the tenderest, simplest viola de gamba performance. And, you know, that's I think that's what makes it so important to have on the album. I was going to ask about that. It's uh, it's an interesting sound. It's you can clearly tell that it's a string instrument when it kind of changes notes so you can kind of hear the bow going the other direction but it mm-hmm. feels it feels organic in the way that like a wind instrument would be like it if if those uh note transitions weren't there like i could be fooled into thinking it was a wind instrument it's such like a unique sound um and i, I love learning about new instruments through um yeah, I think the video game community, the composers that reside within that space have like a mm-hmm. really kind of eclectic eye for interesting instruments. And it's so attractive. it's always uh, interesting to, to learn about new ones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, well, let's listen to Mother Earth.
So you mentioned that, um, you know, obviously this uh, collaboration happened during this pandemic when everyone's been kind of inside or um, mm-hmm. I guess these things take a little while to put together. Did the entire kind of duration of the album's production take place during that or was it just kind of the tail end of uh, of this kind of collaborative um, effort that uh, when was this kind of put together mm-hmm. just so we can get the timeline of it? Sure. I would say... Um... And I, I want to make sure I, I'm speaking in such a way that it sounds like we were working the whole time. But uh, <laughs> we started the idea uh, closer to January, right after MAGFest, um, Music and mm-hmm. Game Fest, which is a con that many, many of us um, in the greater video game music covering community go to in, in D.C. We always uh, recharge our batteries going to that convention and Obviously, we were insanely lucky to be able to go this year um, before it would have been very un, unideal to go to a big place. So, um, you know, we, we, we wanted to wait for everyone to finish up their holidays, go to the con, get their batteries charged with like that. Oh, my gosh, I've been around so many creative types. I, I love ga- yeah. I love video games again. I want to work hard on them. So after that happened, we pretty much just set up a timeline that we thought would be realistic. Um we wanted to have time for people to submit their tracks, which is where we we have anyone who's interested. We ended up with nine people. Um, you know, one or two people have to drop out for a variety of reasons, which is something we just have to expect. And then um, we give about like one to two months to arrange, track, record, and then we give a few weeks for a grace period. This is where we'll listen to the songs. I actually did the mastering. Um, totally forgot that, which is, uh, if you're unfamiliar with the music making process, it's kind of like a finalizing step that takes songs from projects in your computer to things that are at the correct volumes that mm-hmm. are you know going to sound good on any sort of headphone. You watch for problem spots and you know we, we usually have a little bit of time for that. And of course, we had a couple of delays, you know, things where I started to feel like, oh, no, we have more time than I thought. So I wish I could go back and finish my track even better. And you go through all sorts of stages of that, you know. Um, but ultimately, once we had the track sitting down, we're like, all right, June, it's out. We have to get it out. Um, you know, this is it. And, you know, we prepped the troops, but this was probably our longest um, recording cycle, um, if not maybe the second longest. So um, people were expecting it. We were just, you know, sitting on these like music videos because almost all of us create videos for our uh, for our covers. Um, Since it's another like fun opportunity, it's a great way to market your video. But video game fans like visuals, you know, (laughs) stimulating, exciting things. And it's a great chance to, um, you know, if you already are so obsessed with video games that you want to make, you know, classical or rock or jazz versions of them, you're probably down to uh, dress up like the character or like put together some references and, you know, showcase it even more. In my case, I dressed up like Ness, (laughs) did the whole (laughs) four side bit. But yeah, it's it was quite a big of a process. I'd like to say it took the first half of 2020 how does um, this process differ during the pandemic? Are there any things that, you know, I, I picture mm-hmm. a lot of these, um, the people using live instruments. I see a lot of YouTube videos of people recording in their own homes anyways. And mm-hmm. so I know that um, a lot of times these kind of remix or uh, cover groups are going mm-hmm. to be 
distant from each other anyways. And so sending each other um, either, you know, click tracks to kind of uh, um, collaborate mm-hmm. or just, um, you know, one instrumental performance at a time. Uh, the only thing that I can off the top of my head think of that would change would be like booking studio space might be more difficult uh, during mm-hmm. the pandemic. But I'm I'm curious, like throughout this whole process, like what are the kind of perhaps unforeseen uh, kind of hangups that um, that wouldn't have been a problem during other times? It's great that you bring up how we acted in this uh, sort of situation, because what's been unique and super fortunate is um most all of us in terms of recording this album were unimpeded directly, like in terms of the music making process. Um, every single artist here is a home musician. Uh, they have either a sort of bedroom studio space or a studio space where they can record or, um, you know, they're working off of a computer, fortunately. Um, so, you know, a lot of the songs aren't collaborations, but the few that are, um, it's, you know, business as usual, but, you know, people are focusing on their the state of their day jobs, of course. Um, it's yeah, harder to sure. order, like, fresh strings or something. You can't have a friend help you, you know, mic your kit or uh, record the video. In my case, I always love having a buddy film for my music videos. It just adds a huge dimension right. um, and makes it stand out. So, um, you know, things like that were definitely affecting us. Uh, what's, what's great of course is, um, you know, I don't think I've ever been on an album where someone needed to spend money or go completely out of their way to record unless they were in a school and, you know, you can't record in like a dorm, which is definitely something that has happened in the past, just not with, um, the particular artists we worked with here, but it is fantastically like lucky that, um, you know, for me, I don't record with amps. I use a digital um, processor called a uh, fractal axe effects, and it, it's competing with, uh, you know, very expensive amps. Uh, for drums, normally the best way to record a real drum kit would be to use the studio space, or it, it can be quite expensive. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, everyone just brought it as if it was any other year. Well, let's get into the next piece of music. This is Pollyanna. Uh, what can you tell us about this particular composition? This is a fun song. Um, <laughs> Pollyanna is one of the uh, most popular songs, I think, from the entire franchise. Uh, it originates in um, Mother One, Earthbound Beginnings. But uh, as I know, it it does appear in Earthbound. And it has like this very charming quality about it. And there were official lyrics written for it. Um, believe it or not. And um, oh, okay, I thought this was uh, because, you know, we were going to mention that this was a uh, vocal piece. Um, yes. <laughs> I, I kind of assumed that the lyrics were kind of an original uh, creation of the uh, the artist here. But is that not mm-hmm. the case? So in this case, it's not, which is actually one of those licensing things. Interesting. Um, <laughs> we have to use the, the official uh, vocals because it is... Um, it's considered changing it too much mm. for the law. So you would have to actually ask the original writer if you were to really change the lyrics. So luckily they use that. And Myriba has a fantastically chirpy, charming uh, vocal quality. And, um, you know, Hugo Jönstrand uh, makes some of the best animation on <laughs> on YouTube. And it is all catered to uh, video games and his own like video game music. Um, comes from orchestration, but uh, he's done a lot of different styles 
you know, around there too. So, um, you know, he started doing uh, like Banjo Kazooie that blew up to, I think, hit a million views. And, um, you know, a lot of his music has been part of Game Lark. We're so lucky to have him on. And um, he's just a blast to like <laughs> to just chat with about this stuff. Uh, and when we were doing our initial listening party of Fuzzy Pickles, you know, he shared how he was just, you know, kind of thinking about this idea more and more until um, it made sense to have something uplifting on this album. You know, the the whistling motif that he uses is totally unique, I think. It just ends up making me think I'm watching like a commercial, you know, with the... Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's just very charming. Mm. I think this is probably my favorite track on the album, which has changed all the time because, you know, you can't pick one kid to love. You can't pick one album song you directed to love but Pollyanna it's it's phenomenal yeah, this was a real highlight for me as well as I was listening through it which is kind of not usually the case when it comes to like vocal pieces in video mm-hmm. game cover communities you know whenever I'm kind of scrolling through like overclocked remix or something and I come across a piece mm-hmm. with singing on it like nothing against the singers like they always do a great job but it's like I don't know I guess when you hear enough instrumental pieces back to back and that's kind of what you're expecting having a vocal piece come in could be kind of jarring but in this case it was um I don't know whether it was the it just found itself in the right place um, album sequencing wise or whether the um, I mean, you know, obviously the vocal performance in this one is is so lovely and is just so kind of like so almost like inhumanly pitch perfect. Like it's 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 a very, very good and a very like a very instrumental vocal performance. Mm-hmm. It feels in keeping with the tone of the album that's been built up to this point. Right. And it's our only vocal track, so it, it, yeah. it's carved a place for itself. Well, let's listen to Pollyanna from Fuzzy Pickles. sun always gonna shine again and I believe a part of gold waits at every rainbow's end and I believe in roses kissed with dew why shouldn't I believe the same in you I believe make believe fairy tales and lucky charms and I believe in promises Spoken as you cross your heart Oh, I believe the sky's forever blue Why shouldn't I believe the same in you? You may say I'm a fool Feeling the way that I do You can call me Pollyanna Say I'm crazy as a loon I believe in silver linings and that's why I believe in you Go! 
will be tomorrow when the bluebird flies away. All we have to do is follow. I believe a dream can still come true. Or shouldn't I believe the same in you? You may say I'm a fool, feeling the way that I do. I believe in friends and laughter and the wonders love can do. I believe in songs and magic and that's why I believe in you. You may say I'm a fool, feeling this way about you. There's not much I can do. Only this way my life through. Charles of Silver. I swear I've seen a few, and the time will surely come when you can see my point of view. You can call me Pollyanna, say I'm crazy as a loon. I believe in second chances, and that's why I believe in you. So you mentioned uh, before the track there that uh, there was a listening party at the, you know, presumably once the album was finished. So what is, um, you know, we talk so much about the production of these albums. Like, what is it, what happens when you release one of these um, collaborative albums? You know, how do you, you know, how, what do the artists, uh, is there a lot of nervousness, you know, putting your work out into the world? Is there that kind of excitement of having this big project kind of off your plate or sort of, or kind of sadness of uh, this thing that you've been able to work on for so long. Like you no longer have that kind of comfortable project to sit down on when you have some time in an afternoon. Like what is the, what is the experience of releasing something like this? (laughs) It feels like honestly, all of those emotions hit you (laughs) at different points. Um, Cause the cycle is always like, this is a great idea. I can't wait for it to possibly start. And then once it starts becoming a reality and everyone starts working, it starts dawning on you how much we actually have to do. And then you start dreading it and putting it off. And there's like logistical issues and deadlines. And by the end of it, I'm always just so relieved to be done with it, even if I like absolutely love it. And I I would be lying if I said I loved making every single album um, like like not all of them are five stars um, in terms of like how I felt about the process um, because I've made mistakes and I've had challenges trying to coordinate all of these. But I think what's unique about Fuzzy Pickles, at least, is we were all anxious to just release the videos finally and share it with the world. I don't think there was as much pressure when it comes to releasing uh, covers because this franchise is already looked down kind of as the underdog's Although there are there is a passionate fan base, but I think um, the way we've always been received when we've done you know when I've done other Earthbound covers, I mean I did an Earthbound album six years ago, and um, you know it's always been so wonderfully warm and uh, encouraging to do more, and that that can be different when it comes to covers. Um, I find the community can be 
uh, a little pseudo competitive because um, like if I draw you a scenario right now, tomorrow, knock on wood, uh, Zelda Breath of the Wild 2 is announced and there's like <laughs> a trailer that drops with it. I could guarantee at least like five or six remixers, um, including myself probably, um, will <laughs> immediately go to try and cover that same exact trailer music, even if it doesn't show anything and uh, take advantage of the the trend for you know just growth reasons which isn't necessarily a bad thing it's just um the nature of it and it and it invokes like so much pressure you know what if my version's no good what if i miss you know some really important part of the song um you know what if someone posts a nasty comment kind of things and um again that's something that i think all artists and creatives um face and we face it more in the online age than before it's it's part of the process and it's not an easy process but it gets easier over time because uh as as i've worked on minecraft and as gamelark has worked on uh its respective way of delivering this stuff um there's been more good than bad there's been more happy messages than bad ones there's been people hyped to hear it which is like you want to hear this? Like it, it feels fantastic, and I never want to lose that sense of of appreciation and novelty that um, GameLark or my music is um, being appreciated by another person, and maybe even influencing that person to pick up a guitar and uh, you know start making their own thing and uh, channeling some good entertainment in a way that you know, I can't do alone. Uh, I'm really interested in talking about this next track. This is especially coming off the last one, such a, such a, such a different experience. Um, it still is very kind of like warm and comfortable, but mm-hmm. it has uh, a real different kind of instrumental range and a real different yes. range of kind of mood and emotion as well. Uh, this is fate by Kane white. Is this a steel guitar that I'm hearing? It is. Um, yes, a steel acoustic guitar, um, and there's banjos cool. and all sorts of good stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a very interesting texture to this piece. It it almost makes me think of like a like a Dire Straits, like a Salt in the Swing or something like that. Yeah, um, yeah. But it's a yeah really really lovely um, group of instruments here. What can you tell us about this piece of music? So um, Fate is a really cool song. I uh, unfortunately again have not played very much of Mother Three. I I'm like four hours in or so, and. Um, so what's good about that is that I just purely, you know, listen to the music for the music itself. It has like a very nice blend of that, like optimistic, but also kind of sad. And um, I, I, what I love about Kane's music is um, he plays like so much acoustic and acoustic complementary instruments that you almost feel like you're listening to multiple players. Um and that's something that even myself as an electric guitarist and all that, I don't always, uh, I'm not always able to do, but I remember talking to Kane and hearing the work in progress and um, just like the layering and building up of such a interesting acoustic, sort of like a bluegrass sort of um, arrangement is really interesting. You go from these clanging, you know, harsher banjo string sounds to, um, that more like driven and almost smooth acoustic guitar. And um, it just drives really well. Like you could listen to Fate on loop and um, you'd always feel right.
So we talked a lot about the uh, kind of licensing of these tracks earlier. I might be speaking from a half-remembered truth, and so mm-hmm. uh, please correct me if I'm wrong in this one, but uh, wasn't there uh, kind of even within the Earthbound soundtrack some compositions that mm. were covers themselves or suspiciously close to i know early video game music (laughs) you know if you look at like um the arcade stuff or even the soundtrack to doom a lot of that is Mm -hmm. very clearly (laughs) riffs off of existing songs i i don't know if this particular album kind of dives into anything that is itself a riff off of an existing piece i know that um earthbound was inspired by a lot of uh, you know, mm. early kind of rock and roll music from the fifties through the seventies, you know, uh, mm. where does that fit into this kind of like second layer removed of, um, of musical inspiration? I do know what you're uh, speaking of. It's, <laughs> it's, and it is something that, uh, you can listen for yourself and hear like, um, the battle in the very first town on that, uh, you fight this bigger bully and the music playing resembles a very popular 12-bar blues song known as Johnny Be Good by Chuck mm. Berry, which obviously would uh, be, you know, subject to its own issues. Um, there's a few instances in Earthbound that I know of where this happened and it had to be changed in order to, um, you know, make its way back to the Super Nintendo Classic or what have you. Um we as like artists all have complete freedom when it comes to game lark like arrangements let alone our own channels of music so um if someone wants to channel their inner you know influences they can and what's beautiful is i think most of my favorite you know game cover artists do that and i try my best to also do that and play homage to the you know the very musicians that have influence me without making it you know obviously legal (laughs) contentious or whatnot (laughs) so um you know in my song i channeled a lot of green days um american idiot album where there's just like a lot of upbeat drums that are doing these like big tom fills and otherwise i'm just kind of developing my own sound off of it some people are able to catch them and what is interesting i don't know if it's you know a sad thing or a good thing is not everyone gets my references (laughs) You know, it's like, it's like a comedian. Not everyone gets like, Mm -hmm. not everyone gets my jokes. Not everyone gets that I ripped off of, you know, Metallica in this part or Tesseract or Dream Theater or Periphery or any of our, like my favorite metal influences. But uh, part of that is a good thing because when we start a conversation, I have recommendations or I will learn recommendations from others. And um, it's kind of interesting there, but uh, just like Earthbound has its zany, eclectic makeup of the soundtrack, I try my best to, and I think all of us try our best, to um, keep things loose. Don't draw like borders around what can go in your song. And I think, I think that shows in a lot of the, the tracks there. Yeah, so this, uh, this next piece of music is called You Call This a Utopia by S- Stevie Viola. And um, it's... This is another piece of music that is, uh, it goes in an unexpected direction. It kind of leads Mm -hmm. you down one path and then very quickly kind of (laughs) kicks you down another. Oh, yeah. um, In in a really fun way. It feels like a very playful piece of music. Um, What can you you say about this one? (laughs) So Stevie Viola has got a really, really cool channel because I don't want to like ever box people together, but... On, on the surface, you almost expect something similar to how Noteblock writes. Um, 
in that it's electronic driven. Um, there's influences of, you know, house or drum and bass and all sorts of different like electronic subgenres. But what's incredible about you call this a utopia, it's almost like a prog song, uh, progressive, like mm-hmm. switching uh, time signatures on you and doing some really cool shakeups. And then it, you know, does all these sound effects. And frankly, I think it's, it's better to call the song like a hip hop remix because uh, like, like in a lot of my favorite hip hop music, it's, it's deriving a lot of cool samples and uh, throwing, it throws you for a loop. You don't, (laughs) you can't classify the song as anything, but, but just awesome. And um, it's full of surprises. I think, I think it's exactly what makes earthbound music so familiar and, and fantastical. Like anything can happen at any moment. Yeah, for sure. This is You Call This a Utopia from Fuzzy Pickles.
right now. We've uh, we've kind of kept this until the end almost, but uh, <laughs> this is your piece of music, the one that you've mm-hmm. contributed. And as we've mentioned before, stylistically, it definitely stands out from the rest of the even already very eclectic album as being something mm-hmm. a lot more kind of like, you know, metal, hard rock, driving, mm-hmm. aggressive than uh, a lot of the other ones. But again, it does kind of, it still maintains that um, uh, the kind of comical tone of mm-hmm. the mother series uh, that they tend to kind of have at least kind of bits and pieces of each piece of music has uh, little little bits to remind you that they're still they're still just there to have some fun <laughs> right <laughs> um this is a uh, you know I'll, I'll say that of all of the pieces of earthbound music i i don't know if i would have expected foresight in particular uh to come sure. away with a with a kind of metal type of mix uh, what was it that made you pick this piece of music out of all of them to uh to cover to begin like me kind of pushing for earthbound as our album was like <laughs> it was one of those moments where i was like yes we got my game crap i have to pick one song <laughs> and uh as i mentioned in 2014 I did my first game album, my game cover album, which was Earthbound. It was called PK Rockin'. I had a blast because I'd never done something like that. And I covered uh, at least like 10 pieces of music from the game. So a lot of my choices for GameLark were going to be, have I already done this? And if so, what could I do better six years later to justify redoing it? Um, And obviously like production uh, massively skyrocketed. I like to think and you know guitar play and all that and i was running out of time too and i wanted to pick something very fun and anthemic for earthbound and i remember one of my friends um had really liked the way i did foreside on my first album he he really liked the the chorus and how i harmonized some of the guitars um so i i felt this would be the fastest and maybe highest quality i could put into a song um, that wouldn't necessarily be like overly complex. Um, if I had chosen like battle against uh, a weird opponent or one of the more obscure Earthbound tracks, or even one of the more like evocative, like expressive songs, um, like eight melodies or something, I felt like I would have to spend much more time to get it to a place that I'm really happy with. So um, I ended up choosing Foresight. I know it's iconic enough to newcomers because of super smash brothers melee including the level as Mm -hmm. does smash ultimate i'm pretty sure yep it's in there yeah (laughs) it's been a while so i i I figured that would be a really fun one to do it's you know very like simple melodies to work with and then i i have so much more room to embellish which is yeah uh, something i truly identify with the most i like to show what I would arrange a song to be um, and where I would take an original song to be much more me. And in this case, I put in like that crazy, like UFO invading middle section. Um, A lot of the riffs that I'm playing um, are more intricate than what would have been written in the SNES uh, for just like sound font trumpets and, you know, little pianos. Um, So there's a lot of intricacy there. And then again, like even the bass guitar has like a lot of, uh, you know, spank to it. And there's there's time spent to kind of make those parts feel fun. And, you know, it's something that I, I hoped people would be able to just like headbang to and and 
and enjoy in that context because <laughs> otherwise it's it's quite a short simple track very cool so um what is your kind of history when it comes to playing music you know did you start at a young age or did you have any kind of like formal musical training sure um so when i was five i took piano lessons um because my sister was taking piano lessons and i wanted to be better and um <laughs> nothing like a little sibling rivalry to fuel the sure. fires of course and um eventually she quit so that kind of felt bad but yeah i i learned piano for like a good three four years from a young age um, my family actually moved quite a bit around, so we did take the piano with us, but I, I wasn't really interested in learning songs out of a book anymore. I couldn't find it relatable. I started doodling on piano now and then, uh, and I was playing a lot of banjo Tui and N64 songs out of, like by ear, but I, d I didn't have a very like encouraging musical surrounding. None of my friends played. My family wasn't really like for or against it. Or anything it was just you know listen to music and that's mm -hmm. pretty much it um i took trumpet for a year and um we ended up moving back i was i was actually living abroad in japan so um there's oh, a little wow. bit yeah it was it was a wonderfully fortunate time in my life to like be super obsessed with video games pokemon cards Yu-Gi-Oh cards and and uh, you know flashy electronics and um i tried to make the most of it and then coming back I, I ended up getting into guitar and I didn't know if I'd like be allowed to because uh, back then, of course, like my family was like a little more stricter on just me, like focusing on on like school and stuff. This was like a side distraction, uh, but I ended up picking up electric guitar in 2007, if I got that right. I think the summer of 2007 or 2008. Anyway, so that was like 12 years ago. And I just stuck to it. That was the first instrument I really fell in love with freaking learning three, four hours a day of practicing with like, you know, the TV on in the background and me going through scales. I, I ended up discovering heavy metal shortly around then. Thanks to Guitar Hero. I never thought I would like it or I didn't even know what it was. I thought it was like some weird taboo thing. And now it's all I, I <laughs> you know, mm. it's like my whole everything. From there, I took lessons. They were fairly formal, but um, I was learning from a blues and jazz and rock guy. Um, so he taught me everything, got me into all sorts of music. And, um, you know, from there, it's just uh, picked up bass so that I could start recording stuff now and then. I got into recording because I found um, the YouTuber Family Jewels one day on YouTube uh, very early in his um, music career. And I hit him up and asked him how he does everything. And he told me how he does everything. And I went to copying everything <laughs> there. Um, and I, I re-picked up piano so that I could work with it and slowly started getting into all the recording stuff. And uh, lo and behold, nine years of YouTubing, commissions and recording for other stuff, um, performing at conventions and stuff. And um, I stopped taking lessons a while ago, but... I, I've done like a few Skype lessons for guitar, just so important to like keep up. <laughs> and then like three months ago, I got drums because I'm stuck here. So I wanted to learn how to play drums forever. Um, and now I'm <laughs> now I'm functional. Interesting. Cool. Good to have those uh, kind of multi-instrumentalists, people with the talent to kind of take their their music beyond just one instrument. Sure. Versatility of it all. Anything else you want to add to Foreside to kind of cue that up? Expect the loudest track on the album. <laughs> <laughs> all 
All right, this is Forsyth. one track on the album left to listen to today but before we do that we wanted to encourage everyone to head over to the canadarmints.com's uh, forums where you can request pieces of music that you would like to hear on future sounds of play on the uh, sound of play sub forum there um, also feel free to get in touch with us on twitter at canadarmints um, where you can request pieces of music there as well and kind of keep um, keep abreast of the other podcasts on our network that are taking place uh, we have the uh, playwright podcast about creating new video games on thursdays and the sausage factory about um, interviewing game developers uh, usually indies on fridays as well as can rinse on mondays of course um, anyways but uh yeah i wanted to uh, thank you very much Ro, for taking some time out of your sunday a sunday afternoon to to chat with us here and um i'm, I'm curious if uh you know obviously we've been listening to fuzzy pickles throughout the entire podcast and i've been uh, chatting quite a bit about uh, game lark but if you had anything that you wanted to in particular kind of draw our audience's attention to sure um once again uh humongous thank you for having me on ryan this is a blast i as you can tell i love talking games and i love talking <laughs> music um please check out all of the individual artists and collaborators on the album Every single one of them, I know for a fact, has a YouTube channel I am subscribed to, and they are all some of the most talented, hardworking, wonderful friends I've made. Um, and all of the artists in Game Lark who weren't on this one, 
um, are also um, doing so much work. Um, I myself, of course, have a channel I've been working. This is one of three or four albums I've been making this year. I actually just released a different one with my buddy Christian Richardson, who is also part of Gamelark. We did a Super Mario Odyssey rock album called Moon Rock, and um, that's been in works for two years. So, uh, you know, if, if you enjoy any part of this album at all and are looking for fantastic music, you know, just click their artist's name on, on you know, whichever listening uh, device you, you use, like Spotify or Bandcamp or whatever. I guarantee you'll find something awesome. Fantastic. Well, yeah, again, thank you very much for taking some time out. We've uh, really enjoyed um, kind of listening to this uh, really eclectic uh, collection of Earthbound music. Let's, uh, let's talk about this final piece of music on our way out here. This is called Eight Melodies. What can you tell us about this one? Um, so <laughs> I wanted to start by pointing out something that uh, either surprisingly for good or bad, we didn't talk about yet. So there are three tracks on this album with number names. <laughs> mm. We have four side, two sun, and eight melodies. And I put <laughs> only one of them in its actual place. <laughs> the second track on the album is two sun. Um, eight melodies is yet again another like very signature track it's it's truly like the dearly beloved of the mother franchise in that um it's a very sweet gentle sort of song that encompasses a lot of little little melodies that are um you know used throughout the game and that's one of those things that i think uh, we were talking earlier we're all very different artists but because our commonality is we're covering music from the same game, the same composers. We will find, um, we will find like melodic similarities. Um, what Saddle does with this song is just utilize everything that he can play: bass, um, drums, uh, the EWI or electric wind instrument, and uh, electric piano, I believe, and it creates like a very faithful um, sort of uh, arrangement. And if you're familiar with the song Smile and Tears, uh, which is basically kind of the same song, it's like the Earthbound credits theme. And uh, I don't know, it's a tearjerker when you think about it. Um, it's a song playing as you leave all of your friends to take them back home and the journey's done. Um, mm. So it encompasses all of that. And I think that's why it's such a beautiful uh, final track. Yeah, this is uh, this is a really nice one, and it has again some kind of stylistic shifts throughout. It's a uh, yeah, it's very nice. Uh, what can you tell us about uh, Soundol, the uh, person who put this together? So, I mean, Soundol's channel, um, and also like uh, Peter co-directed the entire album with me. We've probably seen I don't know how many videos he's put out by now, but he's done everything from like classically performed and jazz performed electric piano pieces. Uh, classical clarinet and of course things that have been performed on that electric wind instrument and yet there's always this interesting like you know, you'd almost think this is like just a classical trained person all of the music will be there but uh peter chooses very interesting choices of songs often and um i think it's probably one of the most relaxing uh channels as a result there's a lot of indie love a lot of um deep cuts as there were games that just uh, didn't, you know, resonate with a ton of people. 
but um, still had beautiful music. And I think that's one of those things that Eight Melodies is very obviously bringing out. So, um, you know, you can see the vi- the music videos for a lot of uh, Fuzzy Pickles right now. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, Eight Melodies is one of those where, you know, it's just gentle, somber, exactly what happens in the game is what you hear through the music. For sure. This is Eight Melodies. Thank you all for joining us today as we've listened through Fuzzy Pickles. That can be found on uh, GameWorks' website. Uh, why don't you plug the URL just so we can uh, get that out there? We'll also put that in the show notes, of course. Sure. Um, let me make sure I have the right one. If you look up GameLark um, and search it, you will find our Bandcamp, which is our main hub. So that's uh, GameLark, G-A-M-E-L-A-R-K dot Bandcamp dot com. And if you're looking for more information, we are on materiacollective.com slash label slash gamelark. And you can check out some information about us there. Fantastic. We'll catch you again next week. Thanks for listening.